I know this is a, a very tragic day for you, but I wanted you to know that all of us here at the White House were thinking about you and praying for you and uh, and also for your, uh, your uh, two children. That's President Richard Nixon calling then-newly-elected Senator Joe Biden after the tragic death of his wife, Nelia, and daughter, Naomi, in a car accident shortly after Biden was elected. That tragedy has been a marker of Biden's entire political career. Remember that she was there when you won a great victory, and uh, you enjoyed it together, and now I'm sure that uh, she'll be watching you from now on. Good luck to you. Thank you very much, Mr. President. I'm Jason Dick, and this is Political Theater. Joe Biden may be one of the most recognizable political figures today. But even Biden was once a rookie, trying to break through in Delaware and facing an uphill race against a veteran senator, all while running before he was even eligible to take office at age 29. CQ Roll Call staff writer Stephanie Aiken has reported out a story on Biden's 1972 Senate race. It's part of Roll Call's battle-tested series that chronicles the presidential candidate's most significant races. Stephanie, welcome to Political Theater. Thank you, Jason. It's great to be on. So Biden's 1972 race, uh, where he was elected to the Senate, uh, and he... he, uh, he was elected. He eventually turned 30 before he was sworn in. So he, but it was, I mean, he was, he, this one was 29 years old. Um, a lot of the coverage of this race usually focuses on the sort of tragic death of his wife and daughter after the, after election day, they, they died in a car wreck. I mean, that's a horrific tragedy. It's a big part of Biden's biography. Uh, but it, it really like the actual race is something that people don't really focus on that much. And this is what you did in this story. So let's talk about this. Uh, talk about who you talked to for this story uh, and, and what your sort of how you went about collecting uh, information and, and turning it into sparkling prose. Great. OK. Um, yeah. The, the um, Biden actually brings up the, the death of his wife and daughter quite a bit. And he did in the last presidential debate. Right after I got elected, my wife and daughter were killed in an automobile accident. And my and my uh, my two sons are badly injured. And I just been elected, not sworn in. And uh I lost my faith for a while. But that aura of, of tragedy kind of overshadows his whole career and what we know about him and about his, his early career. So it's kind of surprising to look back on that 1972 race and see that he was really a, kind of a boy wonder who who did something that um, at the time was um, really surprising and that a lot of the people that I talked to said really kind of foreshadowed a whole um, a whole bunch of races that were like this, where where young um, young people kind of came in and swept out a lot of kind of old, um, stodgy traditional members of Congress. So when Biden did it, um, nobody wanted to run in this race. It was. Um, uh, he was running against this guy named Kale Boggs, mm-hmm. who had been in office forever. He was really, really well-known and well-liked in Delaware. He was a war hero. He had served in all three statewide offices. He'd been a governor, a congress member, and a senator, which was um, kind of unheard of there. And and people liked him a lot. So <laughs> just the idea that somebody would run against him, a Democrat, in it, in a year that Richard Nixon was expected to do really well, um, was uh, surprising to a lot of people. And um, Biden was actually originally assigned to try to recruit someone to, to run. And he went out and he asked a bunch of kind of obvious candidates and nobody, nobody no, wanted to nobody do Nobody wanted it. to be the sacrificial lamb. Yeah, yeah. So um, the way he tells the story is um, he was actually approached by um, some, some people that he had gotten to know in the state Democratic Party and they asked him to do it. He says that he was at a state Democratic Party convention. He was in his hotel room and some like 
roadside lodge or something and he was wearing his underwear and brushing his teeth or something and they came and knocked on his door and he thought oh no what what do they want and so he put some pants on and they came in and said joe why don't why don't you do it um but the people that i tracked down who knew him at the time said that he he went around a couple of years before the race and um kind of floated the idea what do you think you know should i should i do this and at the time he was a, a lawyer he just started his own practice he was pretty um unknown in the state he had just won a, a county council race uh, done pretty well in that race um but he was a county counselor you know he he dealt with zoning issues mm-hmm. um and everybody that he he um he went to with this idea said that's crazy <laughs> you're never gonna win you talked to a lot of different people uh, in Delaware. Talk to me about like what it was like to sort of track some of these people down because it sounds like they were they were they loved the fact that they were they could talk about this race because nobody ever talks about it that much. Sure, um, you know a lot of these assignments for these the series that we're doing on um, presidential contenders early races, um, the races are are fairly recent. So um, a lot of the people are still around; they're still active politically. So it, it hasn't been such a um, tough prospect to, to track them down. This one, um, you know, we started looking back to 1972 and it was like, oh my gosh, none of these people are around anymore. And it was a very small operation. I mean, most of the mm-hmm. people who were really closely involved with the, with the campaign were related to Biden. Um, so, um, you know, at the beginning, it was just everybody that I could find who had been um, involved in the race was... Um, you know, had died, <laughs> or or a couple of people that I called said, you know, I I was around. You know, I think I had a role, but I just don't remember. <laughs> it's a long time ago. With with some um, notable exceptions, like like former Senator Ted Kaufman, who took Biden's uh, spot in the Senate when Biden became vice president. He was he was around. He was his chief of staff. Uh, for for years in the Senate, but he was around, you know, for for parts of the campaign though too, and he he seemed to be a treasure trove. Of yeah, he was, yeah. he was, and it kind of took finding the first couple of people like that to to kind of pry it open a little bit, and then you know once I found those people, um, they they really were um, involved the whole way through, and it seems like people who have been involved in Biden's campaign they. Um, they become kind of in, intertwined with his whole family and um, their whole careers pretty much um, have uh, a, a big association with him. And you um, also talk to some of the people on the Boggs campaign, too, like the pollster, which I, I mean, talk about like unearthing, you know, somebody from the past. I mean, the, the, the person who did polling, you know, for somebody defeated in 1972. I mean, how did you track that that guy down? <laughs> he and Biden have been neighbors and and friends for most of their lives. Again, Again, Delaware is a small place. Yeah, right? you know? yeah. Uh, so, and yeah, again, a little bit of context. I mean, Delaware has this sort of tradition where people, you know, after you know elections, you know, they after the the people who are involved in the race, they all gather and they do this parade and they quite literally bury a hatchet. Uh, so, to me, it's I mean, you know, like that little bit of lore says a lot about the state of things. But one, it also comes into to play when in when you're reporting about the story because you know you said that biden could be a lot of different places in this state you know he could be in the northern part of the state in the morning and be in the southern part of the state in the evening two totally different places but like he can cover a lot of ground which is essential when you're on a threadbare campaign you know running it on the cheap and nobody knows who you are right yeah and i think that's one of the reasons why they could do what they did um the media market there is kind of challenging um because if they wanted to do tv ads they're in the philadelphia market which is really expensive and 
um, not really the, the audience that they needed to hit. So almost everything that they did had to be face-to-face, or they did a lot of radio. Um, they did a lot of um, coffee meetings that Biden's mother and his wife arranged. At the time, every, you know, all these women were, were housewives, so they would just say they wanted to host a, a coffee in the middle of the day, and 72 of their friends would show up, and then Joe Biden would come and talk to them. Um, and he would do, like, you know, like... I don't even know how many during during a day. It's and a lot of coffee. That's a lot of coffee. It's <laughs> a lot of talking. Uh-huh. Um, but the other which thing, he seems to be good at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that was part of the point was that um, he their polling showed that people didn't know who he was, but the people that did know who he was really liked him. So one of their strategies was to get him before as many people as possible because he could he could really um, convince people that way. Um, but the other thing about Delaware that was a challenge to him. Um, was that there's a real strong northern and southern division there, and it was mm-hmm. a real challenge to any Democrat running in that state, um, and you something like, that a lot of people yeah. thought was insurmountable. Yeah, you got steel, fa- you know, factories and so forth in the northern part. It, like you said, it's kind of Philadelphia-like. Wilmington is is very close to to Philadelphia. It's part of its media market. And in the southern part, you've got beaches and chicken farms and all this kind of stuff. And it's just they're like two totally different places, even though they're within like a couple hours of one another. Yeah, and in 1972, the real challenge to that was that the the northern democrats loved mcgovern they um george, was george mcgovern george mcgovern Dem- democratic presidential uh, candidate who got beat uh, handily by nixon in 1972 yeah. yeah um and they were against the vietnam war and the south it was the opposite there were these old southern democrats you were you know like the real true south and to appeal to them you had to appeal to a whole different set of values and a lot of people that i talked to said that they didn't think that that was possible they didn't think that there was a, a person on earth who could do that and joe biden did it and this has come up with Joe Biden's current campaign, which is that he appeals to so many different people that are part of the Democratic coalition, but also on a broader national level, that he can talk to steel workers in the morning, and then he could go down and talk to farmers in the evening, so to speak. He has broad appeal among African Americans, but also like the sort of lunch pail Joe type, you know, folks that that you know he's shown that he has, you know, he's very comfortable with. Um, and so it's it's interesting to see those parallels in the fir- the very first race in '72, where he could talk about the Vietnam war and why he was opposed to it and then he could also talk about you know labor issues and all sorts of other things that are more you know more a part of a different constituency yeah and i think uh, one of the things that a lot of people said to me that they really liked about him and that that helped um helped attract people to him was that even if he didn't agree with people he was respectful to them and said you you know I, i don't agree with you and this is why um and people felt like he was he was very straight with them i think um and that that worked in his favor. So a lot is made currently of of Biden's gaffes. Mr. Vice President, you want to talk about issues, but a lot of people want to talk about your gaffes. But if Donald Trump, if Donald Trump is reelected, poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Freudian slip. Wealthy kids. Black kids. If you agree with me, go to Joe. Three. We choose truth over facts. I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. You know, he he tends to. Uh, speak at length sometimes, and it seems to get him into trouble about, you know, sometimes he's he's uh, conflated some stories that he's been telling recently, or he'll just say something kind of weird, or maybe he'll curse, or something like that. And 
Um, this seems to be a part of the Uncle Joe kind of persona. But this wasn't really the case in 1972. This is a kind of a key difference. I mean, he really was like the whippersnapper, right, in 1972. I mean, he was the, the young guy who was coming after the fusty guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he... He could definitely talk. You know, everybody that I talked to said that he still had the ability to he go can on talk. a <laughs> battle. That uh, could be a, a, a slogan for the campaign. He can talk. Yeah. And, you know, and some of the things that he, he was quoted as saying back then don't play very well now. I think he said in, uh, in an interview with a reporter at the time that, you know, he was all for keeping his wife pregnant, at least until she had a girl. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. Um, but uh, <laughs> that, that kind of thing doesn't go over very well today. Day. Um, but, you know, everybody that I talked to was really impressed with him at the time and um, his his grasp of, of the, the details and the nuances of really complicated um, policy issues. And that was something that, that he really prided on himself during that campaign. What do you think is an important thing about Biden that that like a voter should know, like that came from your reporting? I think he he's really a natural at this. You know, I I. I I know that's something that, um, you know, people are used to seeing him. Um, he's been a political figure for so long. Um, and the the gaffes that get associated with his campaign now and also, you know, in 1988 that derailed his, his first um, presidential campaign. Um, Accusations of plagiarism of uh, a, a British labor politician speech, you know, that came up and just, you know, knocked knocked him out of the race before it really even started. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, just the idea that somebody at, at the time he was 28 years old with no political experience could could have the, the nerve to take on a project like this and then to actually pull it off and to get so many people behind him and then fully behind him. I mean, he had friends of his from college who gave up their jobs to move to Delaware and to, to work full time on his campaign. Um, people who, who went on and had really bright, influential political careers um, who came up with a lot of the strategy that helped him win. Um, just to imagine that somebody at that age would be able to do that and um to, to pull off what was really a historical upset um, that, you know, still hasn't really been matched to this day, I think is is really impressive. Well, Stephanie, uh, I, I understand we've got a couple more of these battle-tested uh, stories in the pipeline from uh, from your colleagues, one on Beto O'Rourke uh, and also on Amy Klobuchar. Uh, I look forward to talking about them uh, with, with you and the political team in the, in the weeks to come. Great. Me too. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Political Theater. If you like our show, be sure to rate us and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you just found us, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast so you can get the latest episode of the show right to your phone every single week. Thanks, and we'll talk to you again next week.